Thanks for checking out the Church RC podcast today. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you. Now here's Pastor Crystal Sparks. Welcome to the Church Roy City. How are you guys doing this morning? Are you doing good? Oh, come on. Are you doing good? You didn't freeze this morning. Hey, only in Texas can you wear a Speedo in the morning and a parka at night. Amen. Brian had a Speedo on in the morning. Just hanging out in the backyard. Merry Christmas, Uncle Eddie style. Amen. Somebody probably just Snapchatted that. That was awesome. Hey, welcome to the Church Race City. Uh, my name is Crystal Sparks. Uh, my husband and I, Brian, uh, pastor this movement called The Church. And we are so glad that you are here today. Um, we're so glad that you're here celebrating this Christmas season with us. I'm so excited about next week, our Christmas service. I challenge you to bring somebody with you. You know, I, I heard an interesting statistic the other day that 95% of Christians will never invite somebody to church in their lifetime. Is that not crazy? I'm so glad the Church Race City doesn't abide by those stats. We love to break all the rules. And so I would I would dare to say that 95% of our church is going to come with somebody uh, this next on this Friday. So, hey, and then we have off the next two Sundays. So enjoy time with your family. I was getting ready this morning and I was like, I'm going to miss you guys so much. And so I'll be so ready to see you guys on January the 8th uh, when we come back. And I know it's going to be awesome. And God's got great things for 27. So, hey, uh, we've been in this series called The Light of the World. And if you missed the first week, Brian preached an amazing message uh, about God is for us, about how God's love has forever been settled and that he is forever on our side. It was a really great message. And how many of you guys were here last week? I mean, seriously, I told him. And he got done with that. And he was like, you're preaching next week. I'm like, how do you even follow that up? And I even had people when I said I was speaking, they were like, what props are you using? I was like, none. I have nothing. I am the prop. And so uh, Brian did an amazing job. If you haven't listened to the podcast, I listened to it twice this week and I sat through three services. So I've heard it five times and it still is like so good. So be sure and go on and check that out. But today we're going to be in part three and we're going to talk about God with us. If you're taking notes, you can title this message, God with us. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 23 in the Amplified. And they'll have it up on the screens for you so you can read along as we read this together. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place under these circumstances. When his mother Mary had been promised in marriage to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And her promised husband, Joseph, being a just and upright man and not willing to expose her publicly and to shame her and disgrace her, decided to repudiate and dismiss, divorce her quietly and secretly. But as he was thinking this over, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, descendant of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived her is of and from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins, that is, prevent them from falling and missing the true and scope of life, which is God. All this took place that it might be fulfilled, which the Lord had spoken through the prophet. 
Behold, the virgin shall become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated means God with us. Can I pray with you this morning as we begin this message together? Jesus, I just thank you so much, Father, that this is a God-appointed word at a God-appointed time. Father, I thank you that every ear is open and receptive, that every heart will be softened for the seed of the word of God. Father, I declare in this place that every life will be changed, that no one will leave the same. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. You know, I love Christmas time. Um, I love everything about Christmas. Uh, Braylee and I baked all day yesterday, literally all day yesterday. And it was awesome. Like the kind of day where you don't even brush your teeth till five o'clock kind of days. Is that TMI? I'm just being real. Don't act like you don't do it. And uh, it was just an awesome day. Like we had the best time baking in my kitchen and just having a good time. I love the holiday season. I love having my Christmas tree up. I love singing Christmas songs. In fact, the happiest moments of my life is like driving around, blaring Christmas music, and my kids are singing in the back. And sometimes I feel like the joy is so full in my car that I just have to honk the horn because I feel like my car is like so happy wants to sing along. Like, so if you ever see me driving down the road and I'm like beeping the horn, it's because my car's so happy that it just can't contain it. So like, sometimes I just got to let it like toot the horn, like beep, beep. Like, it's just like a dog wagging its tail. It just makes me so excited. So we'll drive around looking at Christmas music and I'm like, beep, 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 beep. And uh, yeah, it's fun. Anyways, um, this is my life and my kids get used to it and people just look at us like we're crazy, right? But I love Christmas time. And for my kids, I try to explain to them, but they don't understand this because we have a very large family. And so my kids are the type that if they even make mention that they want something, like it's done. Like the grandparents cannot say no. I can say no, but the grandparents cannot say no. So my kids have never known a single Christmas. In Braley's 11 years, she has never made a Christmas list and not gotten every single thing on the list. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Um, I need to save my kids from the grandparents. Amen. And so uh, my mother-in-law decided last year that instead of getting the kids inordinate amounts of toys that they do not need, and inordinate amount of things that they do not need. Come on, somebody. Um, She decided that they would start doing stuff to make memories together. So she decided to surprise the grandkids and she got us rooms at the Gaylord Texan, which Brian said, if this is truly for the grandkids, then all the grandkids should be in the room with the grandparents while the moms and dads get a night alone. Amen. She didn't agree with that idea. I don't know why, but she did not agree with that idea. And so she sugared them up until they were bouncing off the walls and then told us to go back to our rooms. And, uh, but she was so excited. She's like, we're going to make all these memories together. And so their papa decided that he got the luxed out package at the Gaylord Texan. Have y'all ever been to the Gaylord Texan uh, during the Christmas holidays? So for a picture with Rudolph for the five grandkids, it is $175 with a reindeer. Well, he thought, I want to get my kids, my grandkids the best. So he paid $175, okay, Isaiah, which I'm like, give me $175. I will dress up like a reindeer. Amen. And uh, so he did this. Well, the reindeer, if you have not seen him at the Gaylord Texan, I'm about to save you $175. He is in a box-in room that you cannot see in. And you wait in a line outside the room for your turn to go in and take the picture. Now, keep in mind, we are a Disney family. 
family. And when you say that Disney and Six Flags are the same, you're wrong, okay? So our standards are pretty high when it comes to things because, again, we are a Disney family. Like, we love Disney World. We love Disneyland. So we had pretty high expectations of this reindeer. I was expecting a real reindeer. How many of y'all expect a real reindeer for $175? We walk in because it's our turn, and it's some teenager in a broke-down reindeer costume, standing there waiting to take their picture. And, and he's like, I paid $175 for this. And I was like, hey, it's going to be okay. Like all the grandkids, y'all better smile with this reindeer and his broke down costume. Okay. <laughs> so then we go to do the ice area. Have you guys ever been to the ice area at the Gaylord Texan? So for those of you that haven't been, it is like freezing inside of there. Like they tell you, you cannot take your iPhone out because it will literally, literally, I'm a professional communicator. It will literally freeze your iPhone. So you get bundled up in these big, huge blue parkas. So from the moment you get dressed, everybody looks the same. And so we're in there and we're looking at all the ice stuff and all the moms in the house will know this, what I'm talking about. You know, how you have those moments that as a mom, where you're like, my kid is going to remember this for the rest of their life. Like I am having like this memory with my child. And when you're having these moments as a mom, you just want to nuzzle your kids. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like you want to embrace them. So I look over and there's Braylee and I'm like, look at her. She's looking at the ice and her little mind's recording everything. I just got to nuzzle her. So I take her as a mother would do. And I pull her to my breast And I start stroking her head and I'm like, oh baby, I just love you so much. Like, isn't this so fun? And I'm just talking to her and all of a sudden I realize that she's really fighting to get away from me. And I'm thinking, you are ruining my memory right now. Like, let me embrace you like a mother. Like, you are not too big for this. Okay. Like, let me embrace you. And all of a sudden I hear the grunt of a person saying, I am not your child. And I look down at the head that I'm stroking, and it's an old, very frightened little lady (laughs) that is wondering, why are you coddling me to your breasts? (laughs) And and Braylee's standing over in the corner. She's like, Mom, that's not me. You're so embarrassing. Because Braylee is officially at the age that everything we do is embarrassing, which is awesome. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. But that just wasn't embarrassing for her. It was embarrassing for me. And then you had to walk through the whole exhibit by the lady the whole time. And she kept running away from me, like, do not coddle me again. Like, any moment, I just pull her to me again. Oh, my goodness. But I learned in that moment, that which is seen is not as real as that which is unseen. Isn't it funny how quick we are to judge things by their appearance? Like we'll just assume what it is just by the overall appearance. And that day I realized that which is unseen is more real than that which is seen. You know, I think the Christmas story, especially being people from the South, we almost become desensitized to it, don't we? I mean, we hear the story. It sounds so romantic. And even when they're playing the song and the little nativities up there, it's like, oh, isn't that so cute? Just a little man. Mary and and Joseph and the baby Jesus who looks like a glowing alien all together huddled under the stable. Isn't that so cute? But really, when you were in it, it wasn't feeling cute at all. So here Mary is. I just want to like, I want you to take down every preconceived notion you have about the nativity story. And just think about this. You're Mary. 
you're a teenage girl and you are about to get married to Joseph. And an angel of the Lord shows up and is like, hey, you're going to get pregnant with the son of God. And then you go over to Joseph's house and you're like, hey, I'm pregnant. He's like, really? With whose baby is it? It's the son of God. Don't you know if you're Joseph, you're like, I am about to marry the first crack addict in Jerusalem. Like this girl is lying. If somebody came to me and said, hey, I'm pregnant with the son of God, I'd be like, yeah, right. And big bird's real. Okay. And so here he is. He's like, no way. And the Bible tells us that he was just going to divorce her privately. Because at that time, once you were engaged, it was a legal binding deal. So he's done with her. The Bible tells us that Mary had gone and she stayed with Elizabeth for three months. In other words, it's the same thing as leaving home to go to mama's house. How does it make you feel, girls, when the guy you love doesn't even believe you? Nobody believes you. So she goes away three months. Here she is at Elizabeth's house. The angel of the Lord appears to Joseph and he's like, hey, just believe her. Now imagine you're ticked off at this guy. He doesn't want to be with you. He knocks on the door and he's like, hey, I'm going to take you back. How quick would you be to go running into his arms? Uh, no, like you rejected me. I don't want to be with you, right? And now on top of it all, there's a surprise tax that has to be paid. So now you have a bill that you weren't prepared to pay. And now you have a baby that you didn't want to have. And a guy you really don't know wants you. And you've got to get on a donkey and make the trip that really is the equivalent of Roy City to Houston. And you're pregnant. Come on, ladies. I didn't even want to be in my Honda Civic when I was pregnant. And you're on the back of a donkey and you're journeying with this guy that you don't even know likes you or believes you. And God with us. God with us. You show up, you're tired. You're not quite to where you need to be. You show up to the end and the end's like, sorry, you're just a little too short. We just booked out the last room. Now imagine being Joseph having to go tell your pregnant, angry to be wife, hey, um, we're gonna sleep in a stable tonight. I mean, like there's no way to make that sound sweet and great. And yet the baby is called God with us. You know, a lot of times if we think about God with us, it sounds really romantic, you know, God with us, like something sweet you'd put on a t-shirt or on a journal or hashtag God with us, like so sweet and romantic. For Mary, it did not feel like romantic. It felt like the antithesis of God with us. Because if we can just be all real here just for a moment, we spend our entire life avoiding messy situations, don't we? If you walk into a hotel room and you guys know I'm telling the truth, the first thing you do is look over the room. You pull back and see if there's anything on the sheets. And if there's something on the sheets, you call room service and you're like, "Um, I ain't sleeping in this bed. Because why? We avoid mess. But here Jesus is, and I want you to think about this, that God could have picked any place in any circumstance for God to be, for Jesus to be born. And he picked this. He picked a teen mom with a guy who didn't even want to be with her, a relationship that was strained. They're in debt with a big bill to pay. They have no place to stay. And here she is in a stable giving birth to the Messiah. There is no midwife. Her mom is not there, which as a mother, like breaks my heart. 
She doesn't have her girlfriends around to help her. She has the guy that she doesn't even know if he loves her or will be there. That's all she's got. And she's got God with us. See, I think it's interesting that God chose these circumstances because he wanted to let us know that he is not the God of the perfect box situation. That he can show up in any mess, any problem that you could think of, he is able to show up in the middle of it. And I just want to ask you today, do you have the ability to believe that God is in the middle of your broken marriage? That God is in the middle of your financial ruin? That God is in the middle of your crisis? That God could be in the middle of your circumstance? That God could be in the middle where it seems like you're pushed out on every side and there's no place for you and you feel like you're a place without a home or anywhere to go or anywhere to turn? Because that's where God showed up and he said, God with us. In other words, it lets me know that God isn't just avoiding the mess. He was actually born for the mess. He is okay with the mess. The mess does not intimidate him. It may intimidate you, but it does not ever intimidate him. And people will look at this story and say, well, maybe it was coincidence that God was born. Here Jesus was born in a manger and with all this mess all around him. And I don't think that it's just a coincidence. I think it's the whole message that he is okay being in the middle of your mess. And that he there in the middle of it all says, God with us. But I'm sure if you asked Mary, Mary, do you feel like God's with you? I don't think she would look at it and go, man, yeah, God is with me. Because if we'll just be honest, if we were to write the story of the Messiah, the, the son of God, we would have had him born into a palace to an affluent family with a thriving marriage and a healthy relationship. And, and they've got prestige and notoriety. That would be the family that we would pack. In fact, it's so much so the family you would pick that the Magi, whenever they went to go find Jesus, they went to the palace. They went to Herod's house. And when they showed up there, they were looking for the Messiah and they couldn't find him. Because they thought there's no way that Jesus, the son of God, would be born into a mess. But he was. And I want to encourage you today that I don't know where life story finds you, but I want to encourage you that what that which is unseen is more real than that which you see. Quit trying to validate if God is or isn't in your circumstance by the way things appear. That sometimes it's going to look like all hell is breaking loose, but God's there with you in the middle of it all. And if you wait to say that God is with me until everything looks right, then you're going to be waiting for a really long time. See, Mary had to believe that God was with her. See, our world tells us, show me and then I'll believe it. And God says, believe it and then I'll show you. He was saying, I want you to believe that I'm with you even when it doesn't look like it. I want to encourage you today that where you are today does not define what God is going to do in your future. Where you are today does not define what God is going to do in your future. You cannot validate where you are right now on whether or not God's going to use you for something great. God loves to take the most unlikely and the least likely of circumstances, and he loves to turn them around for something great. Because we'll look at people and things. Let's just be honest. If, if you got a brand new car, Tony, given to you, you would say, I'm blessed, Right? Because you got a brand new car. If you got a brand new house given to you, you'd go, wow, I'm, I'm really blessed, right? But the truth is, you're blessed right now without the car. 
you're blessed right now without the house. But see, we try to validate our circumstance on outward things. And we look at other people's lives that have a nicer car than us, a nicer house than us, a nicer job than us. And we say God is with them, but I don't know that God's with me. Because we're always trying to define what God is doing by our present circumstance. And friends, you can never define what God's about to do by your present circumstance. Because he can show up in a moment, in an instant, and change everything. I love 2 Corinthians 4.18. It says, the things which are seen are temporal, but the things that are unseen are eternal. He's telling us what you don't see is more important than what you do see. God is with you, even when you don't see any evidence Have you ever looked for God and it seems like he's not there? Like you're looking for God in your situation. You're looking for God in your circumstance. And it seems like he's nowhere to be found. Friend, let me tell you, if your eyes can't see him, your heart can still find him. Because he's there. Don't look with your eyes. Look with your heart because he's right there. The next thing I want to tell you is that it won't get better immediately, but it will get better eventually. As Mary's sitting there having that baby, I'm sure she was thinking, God, if I said yes to you, I thought things were going to get better immediately. But they seems like they just keep getting worse. But see, God's not into immediate turnarounds, but he will get it better eventually. You know, a lot of times as a pastor, I see people, they'll have 10 years of marriage problems and they come up and they want to do a little 10 minute prayer and they want that 10 minutes to erase 10 years. And it doesn't work that way because God won't make it better immediately, but he will make it better eventually financial problems and and difficulties and people will tell me why I tried giving once and it didn't work for me. Friend, let me tell you, it might not get better immediately, but it will get better eventually. See, the Bible tells us that the that Jesus was actually a child. I know that we paint this cute nativity scene where the shepherds and the kings are all gathered around him. It was not like that. She was alone with this baby. And the Bible, t- the scholars will actually tell you that Jesus was somewhere between zero and two years old when the Magi finally found him. That means she went a really long time wondering, is God with me? Like things do not look really good, guys. Does your faith have an expiration date? Do you only believe if God works on your timeline? Or is your faith big enough to say, God, I'm not going to quarantine you to a certain timeline. See, she had a faith that was big enough that she didn't box God in to a certain time or space that he could move in. I want to tell you, if it's not good, then God's not done. If it's not good, then God's not done. People will tell me all the time, Crystal, I just think it's over for me. Let me tell you, you are not going to go down on a bad, bad note. If, unless you're seeing everything God's promised, that means God's not done. That means that you still got to believe. You still got to hold fast. See, in our world, we've been taught that people overpromise and underdeliver. It's kind of like that reindeer. That's kind of the way we feel like with God. That if we really give all of our trust in him, we're going to walk in there. It's going to be some teenager in a broke down costume and we're going to be disappointed. That is not the way God works. God always gives his promises and then he over delivers. That's why the Bible tells us in Ephesians 3.20 that he can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ever ask, think, or even imagine. Now think about that. That's all unseen things. He's saying the unseen is more real than that which is seen. Another scripture tells us, I has not seen nor ear heard all the good things that he has planned for you. So in other words, that tells me it doesn't matter what your life looks like right now, that if it's not good, then God's not done, that God's still working on a good end for your life. 
I want you to put the first house up there. This is the house that my family moved into when we moved from California to Texas. Uh, My mom's here on the front row. Mom, can you wave? And uh, we moved from California to Texas, and that house right there is where we moved into. And uh, I I met my best friends down on Friendship Corner, was right down the street. And that house right there, I learned. My mom taught me how to work really hard. That house right there. That house right there, I can still smell the propane from the heater in the living room. And I could hear her cries coming out of the bathroom. She was going to work at her second job at McDonald's to be able to pay the bills. I still remember hearing her cry. That house right there is where I realized that a dad was supposed to speak loving, affectionate words over their child. And I didn't have that. And it was in that house right there that I laid in the back room of the house. There's a bedroom. And I laid in that bed and I asked God to give me a family. I wanted a family like the Christmas cards had where everybody was smiling not to be fake, but they were smiling because they really loved each other. It was in that house right there. It was in that house right there that I learned that I didn't know if God was with me. I didn't know if God could be for a girl like me. It was in that house right there I watched my brother get beat in the kitchen. I watched him kick like a soccer ball. It was in that house right there. Show the next house. That house right there. That's my dog from when I grew up. Do you see him on the right? That's my favorite dog. I remember when my mama planted those flowers. That was taken right after. My mama always made a house a home. Always. We didn't have anything, but she always made it seem like it was something great. She planted those flowers, and she was so excited, and she had them all planted. She'd water them every day after she got off work, working hard. It was in that house right there. I didn't know if God could ever be with me. It was in that house right there that the flicker of hope on the inside started to dwindle out. It was in that house right there. I sat on the back porch with my mom one night as I heard the screams of my angry father. I just saying hurtful, awful things at my brother. And I looked at my mom and I said, when I turn 18, I'm leaving. And I'm not coming back. I'm getting out of this house and I'm not going to come back. I'll see you, but I'm never coming back to this house. It was in that house right there that I walked down the hallway and my mom was weeping because her and my dad filed for divorce. It was in that house right there that My brother and I came home from youth group after my mom filed for divorce and he had opened up and told the youth pastor about all the abuse and everything that was happening. And the youth pastor looked him in the eye and said, this is God's lesson to you. Go home and learn it. And it was in that back bedroom, you can barely see the window there, that my brother sat there and looked at me and said, if this is the kind of God there is, I want nothing to do with him. It was in that house right there. It was in that house right there that Brian came to pick me up on dates. It was in that house right there that after my father left, we had the best times in that living room right there. 
It was in that house right there that my mama showed me what it was to be a fighter and never give up. It was in that house right there. And I still wondered, can God be with somebody like me? Show the first house. What's interesting is this house right here has big oak trees. And the leaves would fall in the fall time. And me and my sister and my brother, we'd get out there and we'd make big leaf piles and we'd dive into them. And we had the best time. It was so much fun. It was my favorite part of fall. We would have the best time out there in that backyard. And years would go by, I'd be 21. And I met Abbo because my car broke down. Abbo, can you wave for them? <laughs> And uh, my car broke down, and we didn't have cell phones. And through all that, he met my mom. And through that, he became my dad. And that house right there backed up to his shop, his business. And I often wonder that those days when he was working at the shop, if the sound of the laughter of us playing in the backyard, if he knew that that was his kids laughing in the backyard. Show the other house. And that house... My dad owned rental property, Abbo. He owned rental property that bumped up to that backyard right there. And what's interesting is my whole life I wondered if God was with me. And my whole life I wanted a dad who loved me. And the whole time he was right there. And now I see that God was with me all along. See, we live life forward, but we understand it backwards. And friend, let me tell you, your answer to your prayer could be all around you. You just don't know it yet. See, my dad was there, the one who would love me, the one who would take me in as 20, at 21 and adopt me as one of his own. He was right there. I just didn't know it yet. I want you to read this scripture to you in John chapter 5, verse 17. It says, but Jesus answered them, my father has worked even until now. He has never ceased working and is still working. And I too must be at my divine work. I love that. Friend, let me tell you, there's never been a moment in your life where God stopped working on your side. Never. I know that you might be in a house like that right now. And you might be feeling hopeless because when you're in that house, I'm not talking about the figurative house. I'm talking about the place where you feel like nothing looks like it's going to work out. Friend, let me tell you, I never dreamed I would have all that I have. And you might see my life right now and go, well, yeah, they're successful pastors and they're doing all this stuff. They travel all over the world. And we've seen literally thousands of people want to Jesus. I've, I've been able to go to all kinds of crazy places. But when I was in that house right there, I didn't know if God could do something like that for somebody like me. But let me tell you, friend, if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. And God is with you in the midst of your mess. Don't give up. Don't quit believing. Don't look around and say, is this all there is? If, God, is, if it ain't good, God ain't done. Here Mary is. She's in the stable and she's wondering, is God with me? And I love this because the Magi come to her because they saw the star in the sky. The star is what led them there. And I think it's interesting because for a star to break through its light into the earth's atmosphere means it started shining 6,000 years ago. So that means before Mary even ever asked the question, is God with me? God was already providing an answer to her prayers. Before she ever knew what it was like to be lonely, God was sending her people to be with her. 
Before she ever knew what it was like to be in lack, God was sending her provision. And when the Magi showed up that day, most scholars would agree that they brought enough financial blessing to take care of her and Jesus for the rest of their lives. And in that moment, she didn't just go, God's with us. She realized God's with me. Friend, let me tell you, your answer's on the way. Don't let what you see define what God's doing. That which is unseen is so much real than that which is seen. When the angel showed up to Mary, he said, his name shall be called Emmanuel. It was almost as though before the babe could even speak, the angel was announcing the whole purpose of why he was coming, giving voice to the very message that he would give throughout all the New Testament. And then here Jesus is in his final words to his disciples. He says, lo, I am with you always. As though to let us know the two bookends of our life is that it begins with me being with you and it will end that I've never left your side. And I found in my own life that anytime I begin to question and anytime things start feeling chaotic and a mess and situation and circumstances start feeling out of control, it's because I've removed a bookend and now all the pieces can't be held together. But as long as I believe that he was with me since the beginning, and as long as I hold on to the firm conviction that he'll be with me to the end, then it seems like everything else just begins to fall into place. Amen. Will you stand on your feet? At The Church RC, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at thechurchrc.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Church RC. If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, you can email us at amen at thechurchrc.com.